Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for joining us. My name is Tim Wheaton with MMA Sucka, and joined as always by, by the editor at MMA Sucka, Fraser Crone. Fraser, how are you doing today, sir? Yeah, good, mate. We're just talking off air. It's not an awful lot of talking points, so it might be a, a slightly shorter show today, but I'm sure we can uh, always find about an hour's worth of stuff to discuss. So man, it won't be an issue at all. Have you met us? Like you, man, we're <laughs> never short for words. We got exactly. so much crap to talk about, too. We got drama, we got fight of the year contenders, we got um Definitely uh, upcoming fights, which are not fight of the year contenders. So we'll have a few things to break down, but we had Max Holloway in a war against Yair Rodriguez this past weekend. And it was a a great fight. Uh, Yair really did show why he was considered such a hot prospect. The only thing that got in Yair's way was injuries and suspensions and other things like this. But Yair Rodriguez is one of the best prospects we've had in the history of the sport. He did intelligent things in this fight, controlling the hands, kicking out the lead leg to counter the jabber. He did incredible things in this fight and stole rounds off of Max Holloway. In fact, in the history of MMA, if you looked at pound for pound greats, uh, using the original term of the most talented, regardless of weight class, Max Holloway is one of the greatest fighters we've ever seen. And Yair had an amazing fight against him. Um, unfortunately, we don't. The, the future of featherweight is not any clearer now than it was before the fight, so it makes it a little bit more challenging to discuss what the future holds for these gentlemen. Regardless, they are the two of the most exciting fighters in the history of MMA. Um, regardless of what they do next, it's going to be exciting. But what did you see in the fight, and what does the future hold for these two gentlemen? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sort of echo everything that you said that, you know, the featherweight division on paper is very strong, but in reality, Max Holloway's got to get the next the next shot. Just as a result of the last two performances, he's, he's I wouldn't say he dominated this performance. Obviously, he dominated against Calvin Qatar in January, but his performance wasn't dominated. But he showed a, a more well-rounded game. You know, we landed three takedowns. The previous best was two. You know, he got he had fairly decent ground and pound actually he, um he obviously cut yo open with a straight i think it's straight right in the first round but you know he caused massive swelling on the other eye just from ground and pound elbows and you know it was he hadn't landed a takedown since the brian ortega fight and i off the top of my head i can't remember can't remember that takedown at all so obviously it wasn't that effective and you know we like like i said we should saw a much more well-rounded game of max in this one have, but I think that was as a result of Yaya Rodriguez forcing him into the wild round of game. We saw from the first and the second uh, Volkanovski fights, Max is susceptible to low leg kicks, which I'm surprised wasn't sort of exploited by Aldo when they fought, because Aldo, as we know, is one of the best leg kickers in the game, or, or was one of the best leg kickers in the game. Obviously, he's gone, he's gone away from that a little bit. But as good a performance it was for Max and as good as a fighter that he is, that is a humongous hole in his game, being so susceptible to the low leg kick. And I think, you know, he's really got to address that before, you know, we're assuming that he'll fight Volkanovski next. He's really got to address that because Volkanovski, I think, is as well-rounded as Max, if not slightly better well-rounded. Probably not so slick on the feet, but he's got a better wrestling game. Now, if you take out Max's lead leg in the first two or three rounds, he hasn't got that sort of pop back off his lead leg to try and get out of the way of the shot, or, you know, he's going to be a little bit slower getting away from a potential shot from um, Volkanovski, which is, you know, is, is in my, in my eyes, a, a massive, massive hole in, in uh, Holloway's game. It's like we saw with Nate Diaz. RDA utilized the low leg kick against Nate Diaz because he was so heavy on that lead leg in the boxing stance. Mm-hmm. 
And then McGregor uses it in the second fight because that is a surefire way to victory against Nate Diaz is to just kick the leg out. And I think that's possibly what's going to sort of be the, not so much the demise of Holloway, but it's going to be a real problem for him against Volkanovski a third time round if that's the fight to make. Yeah, and with Nate Diaz, it was also the, the stance. Like, I think Benson Anderson had the easiest fight of his career just because he kept kicking at Nick, Nate's leg. You know what I mean? Like, it's just their stance. And this is the problem with this is one of the more interesting aspects of MMA is that when you go from the first Volkanovsky fight to the second Volkanovsky fight with Max Holloway, um, you can see him make adjustments to counter the lead leg, which was to use a more Muay Thai stance, which is lifting the lead leg before entries. Therefore, any kick, like it might be a fake teep kick, or it might be able to parry a kick, or uh, like any kicks coming into that lead leg would, would not land with the same impact because it's lifted off the ground. The problem with the Muay Thai stance is that when your lead leg is lifted, now you can't go into punches quite as fast as you could before, and you definitely can't go into takedowns because all takedowns and punches are generated off the lead leg so it's 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 particularly interesting in mma to try to find a balance through all these different martial arts because max is a guy who could who could do boxing fairly well he's a guy who could do muay thai fairly well clearly he can do grappling fairly well but trying to put it all together because your opponent is always trying to think one step ahead of you Uh, so it's a particularly interesting fight where max is never going to have the same stance fight to fight you know, depending on what he's doing, depending on what the game plan is. Now, one of the people that was thrown out against him. Oh, and sorry, with Yair. Yair timed those kicks really well. Like, yeah. And Max was trying to counter him. But I, Max was, uh, he, he he did counter a few kicks, throwing one-twos. He, he blocked a couple. He went for takedowns off of a couple. Uh, mm. And a few of them landed. Like, it, you never knew what was going to happen in each exchange, right? Like, it was a really exactly. interesting, yeah, fun yeah. fight. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you say, Max was able to, I think the first round, I, I, to be honest, I know the judges scored it for Max. I thought that was a clear Yaya Rodriguez round. He first round, yeah, yeah. He he's battered the lead leg of Max. And I don't think Max was expecting it to quite that that volume. You know, it was constant. It was every time Max went orthodox, he'd, he'd batter the lead, uh, the lead leg. And you know, like you say, by the third round, Max was able to sort of get his timing down a little bit better, and he did sort of have that rush double. I think it was in the third round where yeah yeah sort of. Before, pretty much before he even threw the the the, uh, the the kick, even if it was going high, if it was going low, if it was going to the body, Max had timed it so well that he, you know, he couldn't even get his, his foot up to the target, whether it was going to go to the leg or to the head. You know, mm-hmm. he, he timed it and managed to sort of dump him dump him on his backside, and it was it was you know that was a good takedown from someone who's traditionally a, a you know Hawaiian kickboxer, as this walkout music suggests. But um, yeah, I mean, I think. And you know we're going on about how susceptible Max is to the leg kick. I don't think it affected. I mean, it definitely affected him. And you know, I don't think the game plan would have been to go in and go for takedowns or whatnot. But with that being said, how you know we've seen the pictures of the state of Yeye Rodriguez's foot at the end of the fight. Oh yeah. How hard is Max Holloway to be able to? <laughs> you know, Yeye is clearly kicking with some some power, and Max is. At no point do we really see him. You know, he was affected to the point that he's had to adapt the game plan and mix up his game a little bit. But it's not to the point where, you know, his legs buckled and he's, he's you know, almost falling over on that lead leg. It, it was, he seemed to be falling over on the lead leg after he had kicked it, but as he was throwing a strike. So all the weight was going through that leg. And yeah, yeah, like you say, was timing it well. And he was going, as he was sort of throwing, he was getting kicked and he was slightly off balance. And uh, I, I just, the whole fight itself, there's, 
I thought was just really, really, you know, it, it was edge of the seat stuff because both men, I think there was an exchange either at the end of the first or, or in the second where Yair lands a, a big one-two on Max and Max just answers with a big one-two back and Yair sort of just shakes yep. his head and, uh, sorry, nods his head like, yeah, you know, I got you and you got me straight back. And it was, like I say, it's a really, really good fight in my opinion and, you know, deservedly fight of the night. It's, it's amazing to see when we come away from a fight and we can talk about how inhumanely tough someone is. And it happens in MMA quite a bit. These people are so ungodly tough. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, your Rodriguez clearly broke his foot. His best round was round five when his foot was clearly shattered. It was clearly swelled up. How do you do that, man? Like, I I get like a paper cut. I'm taking the day off. Kind of <laughs> Max Holloway, supremely tough. Taking like upper, uh, I don't even know, uppercut elbow type shots. Like you said, yeah, the one, yeah. two. He ate a head kick in this fight and just kept coming forward. But that, man, this I sport know. sometimes is insane, right? Yeah, it it does. As a, a Max Holloway fan, I'm a fan of watching him fight because like you say, you never really know how he's going to come in. Like, mm. sort of. Um, sort of technique and, and style wise you know roughly that he's going to try and keep it in the stand up and, and pepper you with volume but from a yeah from a perspective of a Max Holloway fan it it does get me nervous you know he is not scared to take a couple of big shots to land one and you, your chin can only hold up for so long you know we saw Chuck Liddell have the wars and now his chin is, is essentially made of glass how yes. how long is it going to be until I mean, we saw Dustin Poirier really hurt Max Holloway when they fought in the first round, especially. <clears throat> so how long is it going to be until, you know, these wars start to catch up with Max's chin? Although he's not taking an enormous amount of damage, like that was a, a tough fight against Yair Rodriguez and Rodriguez was landing on him frequently. And like you say, in the fifth round, he was landing mm-hmm. on him frequently as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although he didn't take an awful lot of damage against Calvin Qatar, he also did take damage. I think the headline coming out of that is just how good Max Holloway, Max Holloway was. Calvin Qatar did have his success in that fight, you know, with with the stepping elbows, with the one twos, with the you know the boxing of of Qatar. So it's uh, I, I read something on Twitter is, is how long is Max Holloway's chin gonna gonna hold up? And like I say, from from a fan perspective and and uh, someone that watches the sport for the for the love of the technique as well. I hope it can hold up for the rest of his career because, you know, we want to see Max Holloway not hindered by, by his chin. Yeah. But once you've been, you know, he's never been knocked down. Yes. But once, once he does get knocked down, if, if, if at all he does, how, you know, how, how is he going to sort of react back to that physically? Not, not mentally. Cause I think he's mentally, you know, we've seen him in these wars, especially at the weekend, but mm-hmm. how is he going to react physically so sorry how's he gonna yeah how's his body gonna react to we've had all these wars now we've been dropped you know does his chin deteriorate and it's something that i think will be interesting especially as he's talking about a move up to 155 potentially so you know these boys hit harder just naturally than the, the 145ers so with any with any look it, it will hold up so we can get the best max holloway possible I completely agree with you, but it's so hard. He's only 29 years old. He's already been through several wars. He's been through many title fights going back several years. I I wonder the same thing that you do. Like, how much more can he do? And I'm not, and I'm not saying it's it's any knock against Max Holloway. It's human. It, it, it there's no example of a fighter with longevity in MMA whose chin has held up, especially guys who are known for tough chins. But guys like Mark Hunt, 
fought the best kickboxers of all time and went to war as was taking Mirko Krokop head kicks. His chin didn't last. Like it's just, it's just part of. There's no possible way that your chin will last. Like you said, Chuck Liddell was going through wars. Part of his uh, technique was just toughing it out. He was getting knocked out. Those last five fights, he was getting knocked out in the first round, right? So I do wonder that the same. Now moving up to lightweight, I, I mean, it's tough to say because clearly he's going to have some close wars with Volkanovski. We can roll back that fight ten times, and maybe we get a few different results here and there, but. If he beats Volkanovski, like it just makes sense. It's frustrating because no matter what happens, we're, no one's going to feel satisfied with the result, right? Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's so what people have thrown out. Max himself has maybe kind of discussed it. The other gentleman has kind of made an awkward video about it. What about Max Holloway versus Conor McGregor too? What do yeah. you think of this fight? Let's say at 155, what do you think of that fight? Yeah, I think if it does happen, it needs to be so towards the back end of next year, because Max, I think when he did go up to fight Poirier, mm-hmm. he was he was he was just not cutting weight. He wasn't in a one fifty five frame. Yeah, I think that would be a fairly straightforward fight for Max. I can't I can't lie. You know, McGregor is the he hasn't got that's fame. interesting analysis. That's really interesting. You say that. Go on, make yeah. make the point. Make because he hasn't got a famous cardio, and Max is if he can survive for the first round because we know he's a slow starter. Like I said, I, I'm. I'd be pretty confident that he lost the first round, although the judges gave it to Yaya this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yes, McGregor mixed. Got... I think two two gave it to Yaya. Oh, two, uh, two to one. Yeah. Like that, yeah. But you know, if he can survive off the first round, which he struggled against Boyer his last time up at one fifty five, it's it's the volume of Max. How, McGregor can't really throw these counter shots if if Max is is going with threes, fours, and fives. You know, it's McGregor will naturally have to. Sort of shell up slightly as to not to not be susceptible to to the to the three fours and fives that Max Holloway will throw and you know mm-hmm. McGregor is essentially a, a slick counter striker you know he very rarely leads leads the dance as it were and Max you know we saw him in the fifth round he wasn't tired yes he was breathing heavy but he could have gone another five rounds I think and it's the same against you know when he fought Ortega and when he fought Qatar mm-hmm. And like you say, that video for McGregor was painful. Uh, that was what? What's he doing? That, I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> come come doing? on, mate! Like, well, come on, sit down. And uh, it's so much better in your English. I just, <laughs> I just, I just, so I just, yeah, I just know what are you doing? I just, what he's squaring up to the TV. It's just like, well. He's acting right. like a 16-year-old on Snapchat. You know what I mean? Exactly, like yeah. this isn't some guy who's an adult with a child. Like you you set up the camera, Connor. We know it's you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like D's there in the corner, like, oh, look what I've caught Connor. He's pressed record and probably had to like rewind so that he finds when when yeah, yeah. it's just oh, I don't know. Each of their own obviously it's created a lot of hype and but I think yeah. he, He's got his own problems of you know not having a win since however long, and I think Max Holloway is not an easy fight. I mean, but like I say, I think I'd I'd want to see I'd want to see him against Volkanovski next because there's not a clear contender in the featherweight division other than Max Holloway. You know, Brian Ortega's just lost. I think yeah, Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez is a great fight. Hmm. You got Korean Zombie, but you know he yeah. he lost a Yair and he's. I don't think he's a big sort of ticket seller, as it were. We've got Giga Chikazi coming through. Obviously, he's got, a, he's got a fight with um, 
I'll go on. Carbon That's a guitar. good one. Yeah, he's got a fight with Carbon Guitar. So I think maybe a fight with Carbon, a win over Carbon Guitar and one more, but he probably gets the, the title shot. I totally co sign with everything you're saying. Brian Ortega, uh, Yair Rodriguez is the next fight to make. Like, there's just no bones about it. Give me that fight. That's a great fight. I actually think Yair probably wins that one. Yeah, uh, for sure. But, I, but Brian wins fights. That's just the bottom line. He just like yeah, throws yeah, on a quick exactly. snap down kind of thing. He wins fights. And the <laughs> thing is with, with Yair, is he's taken two years out and he looked that good against Max Holloway. If he stays active, who knows like how just how good he can be because you know everyone like dom cruise ring rust doesn't exist xyz it does it does yeah exactly and you know his cardio is not going to be 100 percent where it is because it's different cardio of they were saying it on the broadcast yes you spar in training but you're not going 100 percent in in training because you know you'll get injured or you injure your, your sparring partners yeah he is going 100 percent in these fights so his cardio we saw him fade ever so slightly and i think the pace did get to him which is what you don't want to do against Max Holloway for sure. Yeah. But the more active that EA stays, the better his sort of fight cardio is going to be. And, you know, the, the unforgotten man at 145 is Zabit Magomed Sharapov. And I, I have no no doubt about it that Yaya would beat Zabit now, especially just off the back of that performance. And, you know, Yaya is, I think, one day going to, going to fight for a title, but probably just not in the Max Holloway era, which is... You know, we said it, we say it about, you know, Daniel Cormier is the best light heavyweight there's ever been if John Jones didn't exist. We, we say stuff like that all the time, but it's, it's, it's unfortunately, it's true for, for, um, for Yo Rodriguez is that he's going to struggle to get into that title shot picture without having to beat a Max Holloway because Max has now always got that win over, the, over him. Man, you, th- you threw a lot at me here, but the only man, the... <laughs> you're going to stand in front of the biggest. Shogun Hua fan and say that Daniel Cormier <laughs> is the number two light heavyweight. Okay. Okay. I'm going to write an article about this. Okay. <laughs> um, I See, and this is the thing. Well, when we talk about there's a scale in MMA and on one side is entertainment and on the other side is sport. You and I are so clearly close to the sport because I was like, how about Max Holloway versus Connor? And you were like, ah, oh, no. Nah, I don't really care. <laughs> Max yeah, no, it may, I think it makes sense to fight because they've got the history, but at the same time, I think it doesn't really do much for Connor as far as getting back to a title shot, which I imagine is his overall sort of aim. And it for Max, a win over Connor slowly but surely is you know deteriorating in importance. You know, beaten twice by Poirier, beaten by um, could be beaten by Nate. You know, he's he's got a win over a Cowboy at one seventy just because they couldn't be bothered to cut weight for that fight. And it's just like, well, you know how, yeah, you know, it's, it's getting that one back for Max, which I think is important for him. But I think on a personal note, you'd probably want to get the ones back against Volkanovsky because there's more, more for Max there. And, you know, potentially if he thinks, you know, obviously he's going to go into the fight thinking that he can beat Volkanovsky. It's going to be more money coming out of that fight because he'll be a champion. He'll get the champion sort of bonus as it were. But but you're still thinking with your sport brain. You got to think of like what's going to make the UFC money in the short term. Yes, <laughs> that's that's, that's probably yeah, what they're going to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, my, I haven't got my business head sort of screwed on. And the McGregor, McGregor fight will make money if he fights Holloway. Now we're talking. Now we're now we're, now it, we're talking. Yeah, yes. it, it, regardless of who McGregor fights, it'll make money. But yeah, I, yeah, true. 
in your opinion, do you think Max Holloway sort of transfers over into the, the casual fan? I think he should, because uh, he, he is should, one yeah. of the most entertaining fighters in the history of the entire sport. And, and, and like I, I say that as like a snob who's been watching the sport for a long time. It's not just like uh, a fair weather fan or what have you done for me lately. He is absolutely one of the most entertaining fighters in the history of the sport. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, he's fighting on uh, headline at the apex. He's not fighting mm-hmm. on a big main card, co-main event. That's, uh, yeah. He fought on ABC. Yeah. No one watched year. it. It got really bad ratings. It was exactly. opposite to, I think, a, a college football game or something like that. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I completely curse on with what you're saying is that, I, in my opinion, he should be top five biggest names in the sport. He doesn't get himself into yes. all these awful hitting old men in bars situations. <laughs> He's got an exciting style. You know, yes, Khabib is probably one of the biggest names in the sport, but did he have an exciting style? Some would say that he didn't because the, the casual fan wants to see sort of standing or banging rather than you know, slick elite grappling. Mm. You know, he doesn't, he's, he's, he rocks the mic, he's good on the mic, he's got, you know, he's he's active on social media and he's got like, you know, he's got his wife now and his kid and, you know, he's funny as well. He can have a joke with Daniel Cormier and, and he transfers over into the mainstream well and therefore should be, in my opinion, a much bigger star than he is. But I think the only thing that's lacking for Max is that that knockout power. If he, if he got the viral knockouts, I think he'd be a massive star, but you know, he, yeah. I think deep down he knows that he hasn't got that knockout power. So he, he has to do other things to, to get that viral moment. Like we saw against Brian Ortega when he sort of lifted Brian's hand up to sort of show him what it, people were interpreting it as he was showing him how to block the punch, which I don't for a minute think that's actually, I think they were just hand <laughs> fighting and, and Max seemed to, but you know, the, I wondered that too, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, that's a viral moment because the casual fan think, oh, look at this guy, he's helping his opponent. Whereas we know about hand fighting is he's slightly just trying to put Brian's hand somewhere and dig to the body. Like, But I'm the best boxer in the UFC, baby, looking outside the octagon and carrying on punching and slipping. That is, I'd say, top five most viral moments the UFC this year, without a doubt. Absolutely. He's that smart that he can, no, I'm not, going to get a big one punch knockout like like Usman over Masvidal mm-hmm. but I'm going to do this and it's definitely going to get clicks and get views I'm sure that's not why he did it but he's always thinking about you know how am I going to put myself out there and and you know show just how good I am without having to do the the sort of brute big big one punch knockout and it's it's very smart of, of Holloway in my opinion yeah. And yeah, he, in Mike interviews, a, a, anything like that, that he does online or whatever he does, he comes off as very genuine. I think being genuine sells. He's not pretending to trash talk. That's just, He's just a chill guy. And that's all he does. He, no one trash talks him. He doesn't trash talk others. He's just a chill guy that comes off that way. Moving down the card, we had an awkward uh, heavyweight fight. You know how heavyweights do. Uh, so we had a weird fight. So Marcos Ro- Rogerio de Lima uh, beat up Ben Rothwell, kind of well, I guess. Uh, and then Herb Dean did a half stoppage and then committed. And then he said, yeah, well, let's do a full stop it let's go for it herb dean has been known for this for the last little while of hesitating and i am still of the camp of let fighters finish the fight let fighters like don't i i don't want to sound like i'm i'm a very brutal person but like let fighters finish the fight let fighters fight like people are tough and this is someone's uh ben rothwell was in a condition where he potentially could have fought back i'm not saying he would have but he potentially could have fought back and won the fight and this is someone's income this is someone's livelihood that we're fighting with here what do you think of the stoppage of course 
yeah it's um it's weird i don't know like like you say i, I think uh, he, he was still essentially on his feet and i know that it's not you don't have to be sort of flat on your back to have been KO'd, but at the same time, you know, we've, we've seen, I mean, this weekend throwing it over to boxing in the UK, Terry Harper was stopped on her feet after a huge right hand. She sort of froze, still, still stood upright. Brilliant stuff is why the referee got straight in there, stopped the fight because there's no need for her to take any more damage. And she was still, you know, she was still on her feet. She wasn't up against the ropes receiver. It was one big punch. Essentially, knocked her out on her feet. She was asleep on her feet. Like I say, we don't need to see people lie flat on their back to, and or just shell up to have get the fight called off, as it were. But when you're in a grappling situation like that, and you could see that Rothwell's arms were sort of still, <clears throat> you know, he wasn't out and he wasn't receiving damage to the point where he was out let that go even five extra seconds Delima might have landed at an elbow a chopping elbow or a hammer fist or something and then knocked Rothwell out but then you've got a conclusive end to the fight we don't know you know Rothwell could have been almost you know we know Rothwell's fairly, fairly decent on the floor he could have been bouncing back to his feet and, and maybe even got a reversal because Delima was off obviously off balance kind of rushing rushing in to try and stop the finish uh, stop the fight mm-hmm no shade on, on Rothwell or Delima, you know, they're just doing their job. Delima's just, just doing what he needs to do. Rothwell's trying to fight back. And but mm. for Herb to touch and then come away and then go again, it's like the uh Marina Rodriguez Amanda Rebas fight, where he essentially stopped the fight and then restarted it and carried it's just but I, I did I have seen a thread on Twitter of all of Herb Dean's sort of worst referee moments, mm-hmm. which obviously get highlighted, but we don't in in Herb's defense, we don't see the all the good all the good stoppages that Herb that Herb does because why would you? You know, um, he's sort of doing his job. But you know, people don't tend to get praised for doing their job; they get scrutinized for doing a poor job. Which is unfortunate. When, when you him, do your but... job properly, no one's going to notice. This is what exactly, God yeah. told Bender in Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and it's it's a shame for Herb Dean because he is getting a lot of stick online, but rightfully so. You know, it's not like a a job where it doesn't really affect anyone. This is this is people's livelihood you're talking about. But yeah, I completely co-sign with you that I think the fight definitely could have gone gone, you know, even two or three seconds longer to get a, a conclusive right. Rothwell is not in a fit state to fight back. Let's call the fight yeah. off. And it was it was only what 30 seconds into the fight, 40 seconds into the fight. So it's not like he's tired or anything. You know, he could have got that sort of almost that second wind of being caught rallying and then going again but you know herb didn't Ooh. didn't didn't let him which is it's a shame really if this was a standing uh eight count uh it would have ben ben could have won the fight given you know what i mean like yeah, he, he sure. wasn't out kind of thing but yeah, however yeah sure. it's just consistency if it was a new referee and he did the stoppage we would have said like that was a bad stoppage but moving on but because it's herb it's so consistent of like we, we've seen you do this a dozen times before uh felicia spencer dominates man how far ahead of the back is amanda nunez that felicia spencer is out here just like not even a close fight she's looking amazing she looks like a john jones bj penn style world beater out here amanda nunez absolutely dominated like this how far ahead of the pack is she, right? I mean, I just don't understand this fight, though, with that being said. True. I, Fair enough. Yes. 
I just don't. It's not okay. I don't not understand this fight. I just don't understand this this weight class. What the division? What, what does that do? What does that win do for Felicia Spencer? Nothing because she's not going to get a rematch because it was so one sided against Nunes. She's lost to Norman Demont at one forty five as well. Demont probably probably going to be next for the title, but no one's really talking about featherweight because it doesn't really exist. They created a division around Cyborg and Cyborg left the, the yes. promotion. So it's like kind of what's the point? And you know, in yes, Spencer looked good, but let's and let her look that good, as it were. You know, she was being dominated up against the cage. So so what did she do? Put herself back up against the cage in the I think the second or, or third round. She's backing up, backing up. And sort of put her back up against the cage and then made it easy for Spencer to then just close the distance and get back to what she she does best. Mm-hmm. It yeah, it just didn't make sense to me, I think. It, you know, in my opinion, that shouldn't have been the women's fight that was on the main card. It should have been Andrea Lee versus Cynthia Calvillo and Andrea Lee put in a I thought she was phenomenal in that fight. And I don't know why why that featherweight fight got that that main card slot. Because I think, you know, like I say, Andrew Lee and Cynthia Carvey always bring it. And it would have been a better fight to put on, on the main card, in my opinion. I, I, yeah, I, of course. I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, KS Williams gets a win. Songy Don, <clears throat> Joel Alvarez, Andrea Lee, like you said, Sean Woodson, who's a really good prospect. Uh, Courtney Casey, Hafiel Alves, and Da, da Unjang all get a win on this card. Anyone else you want to cover off before I move to the next subject? No, it's just Joel Alvarez. Uh, I've always been a massive, massive fan of Joel Alvarez. I think he's his quality. You know, he's big and he's long for the weight division. Um, mm. The elbows that he was working working into that that fight, I thought were, were brilliant as well. You know, he's taken on Thiago Moises. He's just gone best part of four four rounds with uh, Islam Makachev, and he finishes him in the first round by again the standing TKO, but. But that was a, a, a quality finish because Joel Alvarez, I think, landed about four or five unanswered elbow strikes right to the to the sort of soft bit of the head above the ear of, of Thiago Moses, cut him open, cut you know, cut his head open. There was no need and there was no con- controversy over that stoppage because that's that was a standing TKO where Moses wasn't in a position to fight back and Alvarez was dominating. No, no one has a, a, an issue with that because. It's a good stoppage. Yeah. But, you know, that sort of doesn't, no one gets praised for, for that good standing, standing TKO. But yeah, Alvarez, he's big, he's strong, he's good on the ground. And I think, you know, Thiago Moses was ranked number 15 going in. Whether I had a quick look at the rankings, uh, a lot of people are booked up in, in, in a, a lightweight. You'd expect, um, Joel Alvarez to get to get a ranking off the back of beating the number fifteen guy, but you know Rafael Fiziev, uh, Brad Riddell, Diego Ferreira, Gregor Gillespie. Obviously, you've got Conor McGregor ranked number nine, but uh, Alvarez obviously isn't a big enough name to fight McGregor. You got Armand Sarukian. Pretty much all of those guys are booked. I think you know maybe a Bobby Green fight because Green always brings it, and he obviously yeah. coming off the big fight last week against the. Uh, Ayo Quinta big knockout or, or like a Nasrat Hatparaz who I think stock went up when he fought Dan Hooker a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago sorry you know these aren't top 15 guys but these are the guys that you need to be beating to get yourself coming into the rankings at 
13 at 12 you know a win over bobby green isn't going to make your stock drop any at all and same with nazar hatparas so i think joel Alvarez is in a difficult position but he's yeah he, I, I like i say i've been a fan for a long time he's, re- he's really good in my opinion yeah that's man that's the crazy thing and it shouldn't it should go without saying because this is a real sport and you would never say this about any other sport but to break into the top at lightweight you actually need to be quite good you know could you imagine me saying that about a basketball player like yeah to reach the nba you have to be quite good but honestly the lightweight division you have to be you have to be like so above average that even some guy like diego ferreira and gregor gillespie these guys are really notable and they're barely in the top 10. You know what I mean? Or they're yeah, barely in the sure. top 15 even. And they're yeah. so good at what they do. I mean, if you look down the, the other rankings, you know, you've got women's banterweight. Lena Landsberg's ranked number 12 and she's pregnant or just had a baby and hasn't fallen <laughs> in however long. And, you know, we're looking at... It's just taking another example. How about men's heavyweight? Uh, yeah, exactly. A guy with no wins, like uh, Walt Harris and Sergey Spivak, top yeah, 15 guys. Exactly. And if you were over six feet, like you could maybe rank in the top 15 at uh, <laughs> the heavyweight division. I mean, it's true what we're saying, you know. It's, it's, it's unlucky for these guys that they weigh 155 because they, they have to, you know, they have to be really good to get into the, the top 15, like you were saying. You know, with the greatest respect to, um, to Chris Weidman, you know, he's since dropping the title, he, he's he's six and it's well, two and six, but he's still ranked in the top 15 of the division. You know, Kevin Holland has gone up to to Ke, Kevin Holland has gone up from you know, there's according to the UFC website, there's no number 13, they've messed us up. And Kevin Holland, I'm assuming, is ranked 13. But hasn't won a fight in in how long? You know, he's coming off the back of two dominant losses and uh, and a no contest. But he's still ranked in the top fifteen, and it just makes you, you, you know, he hasn't won a fight this year. Yes, he had a very active year last year, fighting I think five, four or five times. But you've got to ask the question of of do the rankings really matter? Because especially at lightweight, any of the top sort of guys from seven to to fifteen could fight each other. And and they'd be entertaining close fights, and it's unfortunate for, like I say, it's unfortunate for those guys that they weigh 155 pounds and not 170 or 185 because they'd be top. You know, Joel Alvarez, if he weighed 185 pounds, would be top 10. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes, you've hit the nail on the head here. Yes, absolutely. If you're in the lightweight bantamweight division, you need to actually be quite good. And I don't want people to come off thinking that we're our haters. We are snobs and so let's let's use music as an example someone who loves music and, and is a major fan of music and listen to music all day over time they appreciate great music they don't waste their time listening to garbage music you and i have been watching fights for so long and we're such a fan of fights that we want to see great fights we know what bad fights look like we know what bad fighters kind of look like so i don't want people to think that we are haters we are just snobs okay so yeah, and no speaking just... of fights that i don't care about okay, <clears throat> uh... i just don't care I just, I'm sorry. He's he he. Notably, he's never been that big of a deal. I don't. He's been a journeyman for his entire career. Great respect to him because he's created a great brand around himself and well deserved. The guy who was fighting in Kimbo Slice's backyard, the Bow Dog. He fought up the Playboy Mansion. Well deserved to him that he has a name and created a great name for himself. I've never bought his skills. Uh, however, he is a name, and we have to talk about him. He dropped out of a fight due to injury. Some people say it's a fake injury. Don't care. Whatever. What's next for him and what's next for Leon Edwards if you're playing matchmaker? You put up the article about five days ago. What do you think of the future of Jorge Masvidal? Yeah, it's a difficult one for sure. If I'm Leon Edwards, 
what what do you do? You, you're not getting a title shot. It's no. clear for everyone to see that that Dana White and the UFC guys don't want to give you a title shot. So <laughs> you right. have to take another fight. There's 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 no unfortunately for Leon, there's no he's the most deserving person probably in the UFC for a title shot at this point. And there's probably no way that he gets a title shot, you know. No. And I said rematch with Vicente Luque. That's a number one contender fight all day. You know, both of them were on long winning runs, although Luque did drop the decision to Stephen Thompson since fighting Leon. I think he's 10 and one with 10 finishes. And, you know, I, I was there for the, the Leon Edwards versus Vicente Luque fight in London a good few years ago. Now I think it's 2018. And it, it was quite, it almost seemed like either, both men were hesitant of, yeah. of, engaging too much because they you know there was respect on each side and, and Edwards came away with the victory on that night. But at the end of the day if, if Edwards said right I'm I'm never fight, I'm not fighting until I get a title shot, he's not a big pull so Dana White's gonna be like cool you sit on the side and doesn't doesn't affect the, my numbers too much. For Jorge Masvidal it's got to be Colby Covington. I think it's a little bit sus that on the the well, for us, it was a Sunday morning, but the, the Saturday night, Colby said, you know, Masvidal might as well pull out that um, fight with Leon Edwards and, and fight me, you know, it's a grudge match, X, Y, Z. And then on the, I think the Monday or the Tuesday, Jorge Masvidal pulls out the fight. And I'm not saying that he's faking the injury, but mm. could they not have just rearranged the fight? You know, okay, Masvidal's out with an injury or he's got COVID or whatever. We I still don't think that we know what the actual injury is. But why can't they just delay that fight to a to a, to the the pay per view Cyril Gann and Francis Ngannou fighting on in January or February or whenever it is to that, essentially think, cancel it indefinitely is a bit suspect to me. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to coach tough against each <laughs> other. That's what some people in the group chat were trying to say to us, mm. and maybe that's the case. I'm I'm not interested in that. That sounds very uncomfortable uh, to have to listen to that for, for like ten weeks or whatever it is. Um, I, I don't know that Jorge Masvidal can win any meaningful fights. I, I like he loses to Colby Covington, no doubt about it. Yes, the 100%. trash talk leading up would be, you know, exactly. Like we're talking about one of the better welterweights in the history of the sport uh, versus a pretty good journey. Um, I, I, and Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, yes, these are good money fights, hype fights. Conor McGregor, good money, hype fights, and I think that's what. Jorge is more interested and involved in, or he's, that's what he's trying to be a little bit more involved in is money fights. He's not, I don't think he's after legacy too much. He wants to make money in the sport. And that's probably why he, that's why people are speculating. Like clearly you dropped out of the Leon fight. Cause it's not a winnable fight for you. That's a no win fight right there. Either you beat a guy who has no name, but extremely talented, or you more likely lose to a guy with no name. Leon Edwards, like he said, I don't know why you guys didn't rebook the fight. I don't know why, uh, Leon Edwards is straight up off the card. I, I do understand the UFC's frustrations with him of that. We gave you a Nate Diaz fight so you could try to really like make a name for yourself, make a highlight reel beating Nate Diaz here. And he's just like a watchmaker. He's like, I know each step that I do and I'm never going to break character. I'm not going to do something that I don't do. I do the same thing. So even on like at the time when you should not fight like yourself and go for a knockout and go for a highlight reel, he's still like, nope, I I know exactly where everything needs to be. And then he kind of screwed that up at the end and blah, blah, blah. And we got to talk about that all the time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. People have talked about maybe Hamzat, Gilbert Burns for Leon Edwards. It's a fun fight. This is a fun division. As soon as you pulled Jorge Masvidal out, it got a lot more fun. All these fights are pretty good now, right? Yeah, for sure. It got a lot more competitive. I think, 
you know, in my head, I often compare Leon Edwards to John Fitch. You know, they're, they're there, they're winning yeah. fights, they're dominating fights, but they're not always the most entertaining fight. And, yeah. you know, maybe Leon is, is more entertaining just because it's stand-up and there is that potential that he could get a knockout. You know, I think his last finish, was it Peter Sabata? It was just sort of a ground-and-pound finish right at the end of the fight again. You know, that's... And with the greatest respect oh to Peter Sabata... It is what it. Yeah, that was his uh, his last finish, and you know since losing to Usman, he's only got two finishes. Peter Sabato, which is a, you know, four fifty nine of the third round. So that call a spade a spade. That was going to decision, and 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 Leon was winning that decision. Yep. If the referee hadn't have jumped in in the last second, and it, you know, could Sabato have survived for one more second? Of course he could. He wasn't out. It was a TKO finish, and Sabato was just shelled up against the cage. And he's got a, a, a rear naked choke back in 2016. But, you know, he's gone to the decision with Luke, Brian Barbarena, main event decision victory over Donald Cerrone, split yeah. decision against Gunnar Nelson, another main event against RDA, the eye yeah. poke against Bilal Mohammed, and obviously the victory against Nate Diaz. The unfortunate thing for Leon is I think he looked really good in that Bilal Mohammed fight until he poked him in the eye and rendered you know, Mohammed un, unable to continue. Mm-hmm. He, he probably could have finished that fight. That was the way it was going. You know, he was landing the low kick, then landing the head kick on Mohammed. And but like, you know, like I said, you know, Hamza's a horrible fight for Leon Edwards because we haven't had to see him defend takedowns really much. It, it is, it is a bad fight for him. I agree. Go on. And he's a, he's a lot bigger. Hamza just strikes me as a lot bigger than than Leon Edwards. He struggles um, to make one seventy. Like he exactly. he did a few, you know. Exactly. And, you know, he's a lot bigger than Leon Edwards, which I think would obviously aid in the, the takedown of, of Hamza, you know, the, the, the sheer size of him against Leon Edwards. I think that's a rough fight for Edwards. I think Gilbert Burns is maybe a rough fight for Edwards as well. With that I being think said, so too, yeah. Edwards does everything to the t- to the letter. You know, he, he puts his hands where they should be for the best part of, of 20, 24 and a half minutes, he, he keeps his hands high on his defence and whatnot. And he's very, this is how you throw a kick. Leon Edwards will throw the kick like this, which could cause Gilbert Burns slight problems because, you know, he doesn't over overextend and overcommit to strikes, which means that Burns mm-hmm. maybe couldn't get the takedown and, and work his jiu-jitsu like he did against Stephen Thompson. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Uh, Gilbert Burns is a tough one because he's a tough matchup for anybody in the division. He's so well rounded everywhere. Uh, he's got a lot of power. He's got a great jujitsu background. Like he, he's he's very tough for everybody. But Leon Edwards, even given that, he might be able to win the fight just with his watchmaker's attitude of like, nope, I'm just jab, low kick, jab. Like I'm I'm going to keep you exactly where I want you, regardless of what you do. And I like the John Fitch comparison as well, where John Fitch could not get a title shot. He couldn't even get a fight on the main card. He had, when he fought for a UFC title against George St. Pierre, he was like on an eight fight win streak. He was tied the Hoist Gracie record. I think one fight was not on the prelims. And that was back when the prelims weren't even aired. So no one knew, like we all knew who John Fitch was because his name was on paper. But at the time, like we'd only seen him fight like once. But exactly. yeah, Leon Edwards comparing him to John Fitch. That's perfect. <laughs> Hits the nail on the head there. Um, so what the future holds for him? I don't know. He's got a couple of tough fights, but at least the division is fun. Whether it's Gilbert Burns or whether it's Hamza Shemaev, great fun stuff ahead of us. I like it. And I like Leon Edwards. I, I quite like the guy. Yeah, I quite exactly, like his story. Yeah. He's a cool guy, right? No, I like him. And, you know, he's got, like you say, he's got a good story behind him. Grow, grows up, what, 20 minutes and trains 20 minutes away from where I live. So, but, you know, I think he's, he's, 
I think he's real as well. I don't think he's one of these fake guys that's just in it for the money, but he's in it for the love of martial arts. But sometimes that doesn't transfer over to the, well, we know that that doesn't transfer over to the casual fan so well. True. Which is probably to his detriment, you know. You, you have your true martial artists and then you've got your your, your businessman, which, you know, would you say Jorge Masvidal's a true martial artist? No, he's a fighter. But he's also a good businessman, which is why he's probably earned a lot more money than Leon Edwards in his career. And he's a finisher, which is which is important. No, totally co-sign with you. Now we got a little. I'm so glad that we're almost out of time because we don't have to talk about this upcoming card. Like you, like yeah. I said, if you appreciate great music, you're going to listen to great music. Now, up, so this upcoming fight card, I don't know what to say on it. So we have Ketlin Vieira versus Misha Tate. Misha Tate uh, spent a few years away. Now she has one win back in the UFC. Um, Ketlin Vieira uh, is, you know, a, a mixed record in the UFC coming off a loss to Yannick Kunitskaya in her last fight. Um, go, go ahead. What do you think of Misha Tate versus Ketlin Vieira as the headline fight? As the headline fight, I don't think it's a headline fight. I think Misha Tate is a headline fighter, but I don't think Caitlin Vieira is a headline fighter, in my opinion. But, sure. right. we, you know, with that being said, Misha Tate looked really good against uh, Marilyn, uh, Marion Renault last time out. With that being said, we knew that was Renault's last fight, so she already sort of checked out, like a bit like Gian Vellante last week. You know, she's not yeah. in it for, I'm going to give up absolutely everything. And, you know, Tate did look good on a, on a, um, in her last fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, this does a little bit for the division, I guess. Um, with Kellen Vieira, I thought would be getting a title shot before she took all that time away. I think she took, I don't whether it was due to injuries or not, you know, she beat um, Captain Zingana by split decision and then came back against Irene Aldana and got savagely knocked out. One of the most brutal knockouts in, in women's MMA history that I've ever seen, to be honest. The, the check left hook. It just sort of timed um, timed Kellen Vieira coming in, but if, yeah, if you Perfect. look at the uh, if you look at the rankings, you know it's Misha Tate came in straight away, ranked eighth, fighting Kellen Vieira, who's ranked seventh. Yana Kunitskaya is ranked sixth, but she's mm-hmm. obviously pregnant, having a baby, and and won't be fighting for probably another year at least. Aspen Lad just lost up at one forty five and couldn't make one thirty five. Juliana Pena is getting her title shot against Amanda Nunes. So you've got Irene Aldana, Holly Holm, and Jermaine Durandamy, all potential fights for the for the winner of of this one. But I think, like I say, I don't know if this is a main event fight, but there's plenty of fighters down the card that are, that are really worth keeping an eye on because I think it's on paper it's stronger than this weekend's card, but then this weekend's card provided you know tons of knockouts. Well, like like you said, I I think the Sean Brady uh, Michael Chiesa really should be the title. Uh, sorry, should be the main event because this is this is a proper good fight. Sean Brady undefeated in the UFC, uh, coming in. He's undefeated in MMA overall. A couple mm. of uh, submission wins in a row. Michael Chiesa is always kind of a, a headline guy. He's always uh, he's he's good on the microphone. He's always fighting top five kind of range uh, coming off a loss to Vicente Luke. This is a really fun fight. This is a really great fight for the welterweight division. Now, I don't know who to pick in this one. And that's, that's kind of the reason why I feel like it should be a headline fight, but I understand why the UFC wants Misha Tate uh, in yeah. the main event. I get it. I get it. She's a much bigger name, isn't she? On, on, and, absolutely. You know, she, you can form a champion Misha Tate X, Y, Z. And yeah, I know. like you say, I think Sean Brady comes into this one fairly well prepared. You know, he's, he's, 
been preparing for Kevin Lee since his last fight. You know, he's had two fights with Kevin Lee cancelled. Uh, mm. I think, I think it, Lee pulled out of both of them. If oh no, no, it says on topology that Lee pulled out of the first one, Brady pulled out of the second, and that fight was you know ultimately scrapped. So he's, you know what we know what Kevin Lee is a good striker who will be looking to pressure you and get it down to the floor, which is pretty mm. much what Michael Chiesa is. You know, he's a reasonable striker, but he's going to want to work his jiu-jitsu. And we saw against Vicente Luque that if, if you don't sort of, you know, use correct technique and getting up to getting up to your feet from a from a um, grappling situation, it's, he leaves himself open. Michael Chiesa, and that's what happened in his last fight. I mean, I I really like Sean Brady. I think he's he's, he's really good. You know, like you say, he's got back to back back to back submission mm-hmm. victories against. And you know, his last one was against Jake Matthews, and Jake Matthews is it's well regarded you know if you know anything about sort of fighters that are constantly headlining the sort of prelims as it were mm-hmm. Matthews is there and and you know Sean Brady dealt with him fairly I think he was on his way to a, a from what I remember he was on his way to a decision victory but then had that killer instinct to try and finish it which uh which is what we always like to see yeah, it's it's a fun fight. Like that's the thing of like we want fights where we it's not very obvious who's trying to win or who's who they're trying to push over the top. That's a great fight. That's a great one right there. Um, but yeah, looking down the card, I I don't know what else to point out. We have K1 Heroes champion Haniyaya still fighting, and that's great to see one of the old men of the world still fighting in the UFC, and good for him. And he's got a tough fight in Kyung Ho Kang from South Korea. Um, what else do you see on the card that you're kind of into? What else do you see here? Yeah, from a British perspective, we've got Joanne, well, Joanne Calderwood, as people know, she's Joanne Wood now, because um, I believe that she got married to the head coach at Syndicate, John John Wood, I think. I know they were together, and it says on topology, Joanne Wood, so it's Joanne Calderwood, anyway. Yeah, she's yeah I think Wood now, too, yeah. Yeah, coming off the split decision loss to Laura Murphy, which obviously got Murphy a, uh, a title shot. She's fighting Talia Santos on... Fairly short notice for Santos, and she's coming off the victory over, you know, Roxy Modafferi. Um, Calderwood was mm-hmm. supposed to fight Alexa Grasso, and that obviously isn't going ahead now. Grasso withdrew, which is a shame. Got Davy Grant back. Um, you know, he got two, two big finishes, but then he was fairly, fairly dominated by Chito Vera last time out. Um, we got you know MMA, friend, sort of almost friend of MMA soccer, Lupi Gonzalez stepping in again yes. on short notice. <laughs> Against Lama, she fought Lama. twice in October. Now she's back in November. Luffy exactly. is the best, you know. And it's 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 this attitude that gets you. You know, yes, she didn't win last time out, and yes, she lost her debut to um, Jessica Penne. But you know, in my opinion, who cares? We were saying earlier that you know <laughs> X, Y, and Z shouldn't be in the rankings because they haven't got a win. Luffy Gonzalez is. Oh, a lady anywhere between 125 and 115 is pulled out of fight. Get get um, Godinez on the phone and and she, she'll turn up. You know, a week after she performed last time, she turned up. Now, no more than sort of three weeks after, a month after, she's turning up on short notice again. It's it's great to see, it, in my opinion. You know, and uh, also I'm looking forward to. Terence McKinney, you know, he's uh, eleven and three. He's on a on a four fight win streak, and is is I'm pretty sure he took his um, UFC debut on short notice and ended that fight in in seven seconds against Matt Frivola. 
he's mm-hmm. he's big on he's big on Twitter that I see. Um, you know, he's a he's a captivating personality, you know, as well. And you know, he he has he has picked up losses. You know, three three finish losses. He had a doctor stoppage, a leg injury, back in 2018. He lost to, as you mentioned, Sean Woodson on the Contender Series, and then he he lost to Derek Minner, who himself made it to the UFC. And it's in, you know he's got a fight coming up on uh, against Ryan Hall, but you know he's bounced back well and he's he's got three finishes in a row now. Whether he'll get a quicker finish than he did last time out in seven seconds, I highly doubt it. But you know, with that being said, I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on. It. Um, I think it's about I think it's uh, 155 pounds he'll be fighting at. So yeah, Terence McKinney is definitely one to keep an eye on because he's he's so young as well. You know, he's only 27. That means he's got at least. Yeah, if he keeps it on this winning run, he's got at least sort of six years at the top. No, I love it. Thanks for keeping an eye on like what, what fighters we most want to uh, look out for for our fans here. Um, coming up, we have the Vieira versus State, followed by Font versus Aldo, though, which we'll sit down next week and discuss because I, I think the Font Aldo card is great. Like the headline fight, you have Brad Verdell and Javier Fiziev on it, Jimmy Crute, Jamala Hill. Uh, you also have Manel Capas back. It's that Font Aldo is really good, followed by UFC 269. I feel like I've been waiting for this fight all year. I'm so excited <laughs> for UFC 269. Yeah, um, so we've got sure. a couple of real exciting uh, cards coming up. And you said we wouldn't be able to fill an hour. I know, I did think, but then when you when you put people in the rankings that aren't meant to be in there, I could talk all day about it. So that's yeah, if it's complaining about the UFC, we got a full hour show that we can do. Exactly. Uh, this week we got a few things. I've been traveling around, and we uh, with the parent company of MMA Sucker, we've launched a lifestyle website. Uh, so we'll have some more travel guide stuff uh, on that. So keep an eye out on my Twitter and other stuff, and I'll make sure to share it for you guys. Uh, but Fraser, what do you got going on this week? Where can the people find more of you? Yeah, there's plenty going up on uh, MMA Soccer this week for the, the Tate, um, Tate Vieira card. We'll have previews for various fights up and down the card. Um, I've got an article coming out, I think, later on this week about five fighters that we haven't just haven't seen in a while that are still signed to the UFC. Just, you know, do we just who remembers Tyson Pedro? You know, really oh, yeah, he's really exactly. good, exactly. And he's, you know, he. He got some good good wins and yeah, had some disappointing losses, but we haven't heard from him in, in so long. So, uh, yeah, I've got uh, five fighters we want to see back competing in the UFC. Piece going up probably later on, maybe Thursday, Friday this week. And then, like I say, we'll have results and, and staff picks and everything going into the, the weekend's card. Wonderful. Keep an eye on us. The links for the website and Twitters where you can keep track of everything that we're doing is down below. Folks, have a wonderful week. My name is Tim Wheaton with Tim Wheaton MMA, MMA Suckout, joined as always by Fraser Crone. Cheers, folks. Thank you very much.